0: Continuing our readings um, from Matthew 7 this morning, from verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard, that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, but can be nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not
1: encourage you to keep that passage open in front of you and follow along as we work our way through it. One of the things that we've kept seeing in the Sermon on the Mount is that we depend on God and that we can go to him and ask for help. So it's fitting that we go to him and ask for his help now as we look at his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to hear your word together now. Please give us understanding. Please work through your word to grow us in the heart righteousness that Jesus has been talking about. Please help us grow to be more like him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Jess and I uh, had our first big fight on our honeymoon. Uh, We spent uh, 10 days driving from place to place around Tasmania. It was beautiful. We had a great time. But there was one hiccup. You see, the car we hired was an old bomb, and the cigarette lighter didn't work. Now, uh, it's not that we wanted to light cigarettes. Uh, We needed the cigarette lighter for another important reason, navigation. You see, this was before we had GPS navigation on our phones, and we borrowed a digital GPS unit to help us navigate, but it was powered from a cigarette lighter. So when we discovered it didn't work, we bought a Refidex, Jess drove and I navigated our way around Tasmania. It worked great, until the day of the big fight. We were driving from Freycinet to Cradle Mountain through Launceston, and the lady at the hotel had given us very specific instructions. Don't follow the street signs. You have to keep going on the highway a bit further until you get to the main road to Cradle Mountain good instructions. But the thing about instructions, and I don't know if you know this already, uh, the thing about instructions is that it's not enough to just listen to them. You have to follow them. You have to actually do them. See, Jess knew that, but I thought I knew better. We took that first turn off and now here we are driving on a single lane state forest road up and down what seem like these huge mountains in the middle of nowhere. We're running out of fuel. There's only one petrol station between us and Cradle Mountain and when we get there it turns out it shut several years ago. <laughs> Hence the fight. The stress the raised voices, the understandable questioning of my navigational abilities. Maybe that's why GPS is actually such a wonderful invention. It doesn't always take you the right way, but at least it gives you a common enemy. You know, We were okay after our argument. Uh, It was short-lived and we laugh about it now and I can tell the story to you for a laugh. But I learnt an important lesson that day. It's not enough to just listen to the instructions. You have to do them. And that's actually what Jesus is saying here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uses three pictures to show that the people who truly belong to his kingdom don't just hear his words... They do them. But the consequences of doing what Jesus says are far more serious than getting enjoyably lost in a state forest. Jesus says that this is about life and death, about security and destruction, about eternity with Him or depart from me, I never knew. This is serious. Jesus lays before us two ways to live, to hear his words and do them or not. We'd better pay attention. These are words that we need to hear and do. So let's get into it. Jesus lays before them first a picture of two ways to go. Remember where we are at this point in Matthew. We're up on the mountain with Jesus. Jesus has been going around the country. He's been proclaiming that he is God's promised king. The one that the people have been waiting for. In him, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's been calling people to repent, to turn away from their sin and to turn to God by following him. And now he's taken his followers up on a mountain and he's been telling them that what it really looks like to, to repent and follow him. He's been painting this picture, this thorough, challenging, powerful picture of the radical heart righteousness of his kingdom. But we have to do something with this. These aren't just good, good words, they're a call to action. The people who truly belong to Jesus' kingdom, they don't just hear his words, they do them. It's going to get clearer as we work our way through the passage, but it's there in verse thirteen. Jesus lays out two ways to go. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and that leads to and oh, sorry, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those that find it are few. One way is wide and easy. That's the way of hearing Jesus' words and carrying on living our own way. Maybe we settle for doing a few of the easier things that Jesus says, but we ignore the stuff that really makes us squirm. This is the way of compromise, the way of easy living, living in the world, giving in to our sinful desires. It's going with the flow. If we live this way, we won't have conflict with the world. We'll be just like them. If we live this way, we won't have to wait for our reward in the future. We'll get everything we think we want now. It sounds good. But Jesus peels back the curtain and he shows us the horrid truth. The way is easy now, but it leads to destruction. Sin promises a lot. Living our own way seems good, but it always leads to death. We experience it in this life as we reap the consequences for our sin. But even more terrifying, we will face destruction in the age to come. See, when Jesus speaks about destruction, his hearers would immediately be thinking of all sorts of Old Testament pictures of judgment, about how God will destroy the enemies of his people who have made them suffer and done terrible things, how God will destroy his people who have turned their backs on him and disobeyed him. This is the destruction at the end of the wise and easy way, judgment from God. When Jesus comes back and judges the living and the dead, when each and every person, each and every one of us who has ever lived will give an account before him for their life, for everything they've done, every sin, every lustful glance, every evil thought, every moment of rebellion against God. And the just consequence for our rebellion against an eternal God is eternal destruction, eternal punishment, cut off from God and all that is good that's the wide way many go down there many choose this path that looks easy now and yet it leads to eternal destruction in fact it's the road we've all been on the road we actually deserve but in God's grace he gives us another way the narrow way this way isn't easy The gate to get in is narrow and the road is hard. Life in Jesus' kingdom isn't easy. Just think about what we've learned about that radical heart righteousness that Jesus calls us to over the last nine weeks. The narrow way will mean keeping a right perspective of our own sinfulness and God's goodness. It will flow out in being humble to others, dependent on God, doing good to all. The narrow way will mean seeking God's kingdom first, even when we'd rather be living for ourselves. It will mean the delayed gratification of looking forward to the reward from our Heavenly Father rather than seeking the fickle praise of men now. It will mean living out the Old Testament commands from the heart as they're fulfilled in Jesus, the one the Old Testament was pointing to. That means seeking reconciliation, not harbouring hate. Radical faithfulness, not lust. Real commitment, not divorce. Reliable words, not false promises. Generosity, not revenge. Love for our enemies, not hate. Life on the narrow way will mean recognising our dependence on God by being poor in spirit. Hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. Reflecting reflecting the character of our King Jesus in our lives. This life will mean persecution, Jesus says. It will mean people revile us, mock us, treat us badly, just like they treated our king. This is the narrow way. It's costly. It's hard. This radical hard righteousness means not just outward performance, but true change from the inside out. And it won't be finished in this life. We all need to keep repenting, keep growing, keep depending on God until we die or Jesus comes back. Am I selling the narrow road to you? Maybe not. But see where Jesus says this road leads. The other road leads to destruction, but this road leads to life. This is the truly fulfilled, rich life in God's kingdom as God's people. The blessed life. Life from the one who is the source of all goodness and life. This is life for those who hear Jesus' words, who recognise their sin and their absolute need for God, who repent, turning away from their sin and turning to Jesus in faith. Who enjoy forgiveness and new life because Jesus died and rose again for our sins. And who live this out by bearing the fruit of real heart righteousness in their lives. This life at the end of the narrow way isn't earned. It's not a payment because you've done so well on the narrow way. It is entirely a gift of grace but it's given to those who trust in Jesus and bear the fruit of that trust by living out the radical heart righteousness of his kingdom. Jesus says that those who find this way are few. It's not that there will be only one or two Christians in heaven or even only 144,000. In Revelation 7, John sees a great multitude that no one can number before God's throne, clothed in white, praising him. But Jesus is saying this is a warning and an invitation. It's a warning that it's much easier to stay on the wide and easy way. Many will choose that way instead of the way to life. Don't be one of them. This will be hard. It will be costly. At times it will be lonely, but the narrow way is the way to life. And that's why this is also an invitation, a command even. Enter by the narrow gate. Choose the narrow way. Hear Jesus' words and put them into action. Repent, turn away from sin and trust in Jesus and then keep putting his words into practice. Don't settle as if you've done enough. Do what Jesus says. Choose the narrow way. Which brings us to the next picture. Two ways to bear fruit. Jesus warns us to look out who we're listening to. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So you can't trust everything you hear. Jesus warns us that there will always be people who want to take advantage of us. People who claim to teach God's word, but they are false prophets. They dress themselves up like sheep, but they're really wolves. They're just looking for a nice roast lamb dinner. We see this all the time. From prosperity preachers who are just looking to get rich, try and sell you the lie that you can have your best life now, to so-called ministers who use and abuse the vulnerable. We see it on the news in the last couple of weeks. It happens all too often. Jesus warns us to watch out. Beware. How can we spot them? What's well, all to do with fruit? Verse 16. You will recognise them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognise them by their fruits. One day, Jess sent me to get lemons off our neighbour's lemon tree to cook dinner. It hangs over the side of the fence, and the neighbours were very happy for us to help ourselves. But when I got them inside and cut them open, I was very disappointed. There was hardly any flesh. I hadn't picked lemons off the lemon tree. I'd picked yellow grapefruit off the grapefruit tree. (laughs) So you can tell a tree by its fruit. A grapefruit tree will grow grapefruit. An apple tree will grow apples. It's just how the world works. And Jesus says it's the same with false teachers. They will bear bad fruit. They can't help it. Remember, Jesus has been saying through the sermon how our hearts will determine the fruit we bear in our lives. But these false teachers show that they don't really belong to Jesus because they're not bearing the fruit of that heart righteousness of Jesus' kingdom. Because they're rotten in the heart, they will bear bad fruit in their lives. And the result will be judgment. Again, Jesus talks about destruction. The trees that don't bear good fruit are being cut down and thrown into the fire. They face God's righteous judgment. Okay, but what fruit should we be looking for? Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. (laughs) The way to spot false prophets, Jesus says here, is not mainly about what they say. In fact, they might call Jesus Lord. They might pay him lip service, but they don't know him. They're just false teachers. Now, this isn't to say we shouldn't be listening carefully to everything that we're taught. We must be testing everything we hear against God's word, including what you hear here at church. And when it doesn't line up with God's word, you must reject it. But Jesus is saying it's not enough to say the right words. There are false prophets who say all the right things, and yet their lives don't line up with what they say. They aren't bearing the fruit of that hard righteousness of Jesus' kingdom, and they show themselves to be false prophets. But what about miraculous works? Signs and wonders, don't they prove it? Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Miraculous signs are no sure sign that a teacher is true. These false teachers, they prophesy and cast out demons and do mighty works, but Jesus never knew them. They don't belong to his kingdom. In fact, he calls them workers of lawlessness. They lead God's people astray. Later in Matthew 24, Jesus is going to warn that false prophets will come who do great signs and wonders to try and lead God's people astray. Miraculous signs are not reliable signs. They aren't reliable fruit for recognising true and false teachers. The reliable fruit is that they do the will of the Father in heaven. That is, that they live out the kind of heart righteousness that Jesus has been talking about throughout the Sermon on the Mount. So look closely at the lives of those who teach The lives of those you listen to. Test what they say carefully against God's word. You must do that. We must all do that. But also watch their lives closely. See where they are putting Jesus' words into practice. See where they are practicing what they preach. It doesn't mean that they'll be perfect. That's impossible. But it does mean they will model that dependence on God have a willingness to repent. They're humble and gentle with others and they will keep growing to be more like Jesus. Watch out for the fruit. That's how you'll recognise false teachers. See, Jesus is making the same point again. The teachers who truly belong to his kingdom, they're the ones who don't just hear his words, they do them. Which brings us to the last picture Jesus paints. He shows us two ways to build. Again, it's all about hearing Jesus' words and doing them. Verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Uh, the Old Testament, it often teaches about how to live as God's people by contrasting between the wise and the foolish. Just think of the book of Proverbs. The wise man is the one who fears God and listens to advice, where the foolish man is, lives as if there is no God. And Jesus makes the same contrast, except the contrast here is all about him. The wise man is the one who hears Jesus' words and does them. He doesn't just think about them. He doesn't just tell them to others. He puts them into practice. He hears Jesus' call for hard righteousness and he depends on God. He repents, he hungers and thirsts for this kind of righteousness. This man is like the man who built his house on a rock. When a great storm comes, when the creeks rise, when the wind blows with hurricane force, his house is okay. It's secure. Now, by this storm, Jesus could be talking about the troubles and suffering of life here. I think that is included. Those who truly belong to Jesus' kingdom and show it by putting his words into practice will still face the storms of life. We will still face trouble and suffering and sickness and sadness. But it will not overcome us. Our loving Heavenly Father will provide all that we need and even uses our suffering for our good. But I don't think that's all Jesus is talking about here. In the Old Testament, storms and floods, what do they make you think of? They're a picture of God's judgment. Just think of the great flood with Noah's ark. And the prophets picked up on this too. They talked about God's judgment like a great storm against the enemies of his people. And the storm that comes against this house is not just the sufferings and troubles of life. It's the great judgment. When Jesus returns to set all things right and to judge the living and the dead. In the day of judgment, the wise man is secure and safe. But the foolish man, not so much. Verse 26. Now everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. Nowadays we have ways of laying foundations on sand. You see with all the houses that are built right on the beach. But they still run into problems, like these houses on the central coast in New South Wales. When they had a big storm back in 2020, it washed away all the sand. The house is in danger of collapsing. And it's the same for those who hear Jesus' words and don't do them. They will have no foundation for the storms of life. And ultimately, when they stand before God in judgment, they will face destruction. Jesus' words are chilling. Their fall we'll will be great. So, what about you? Jesus lays before you three pictures. Will you take the narrow way that leads to life, or the wide way that leads to destruction? Will you bear the good fruit of doing the will of the Father, or will you bear the rotten fruit of a life lived for yourself? Will you build your life on the secure foundation by hearing and doing Jesus' words? Or will you build build your life on sand and face destruction? Jesus is laying before you a choice. Will you hear his words and put them into practice? If you're here this morning, you're someone who's not a Christian. If you don't yet trust in Jesus. And I want to say, today's the day. Jesus is putting it before you. Take the narrow way. Build your life on a solid foundation. Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus in faith. He suffered and died for your sins. He is the one who rose from the dead. He offers you life, eternal life. Will you receive it by trusting him today? By choosing the narrow way come have a chat to me after the service. I'd love to talk to you more about it. But if you are already a Christian, if you're already someone who trusts in Jesus, then this passage is for you too. You see, if we are truly people of his kingdom, then we will hear Jesus' words and put them into practice. It's not that doing these good things earns us salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, not what we do. Salvation is a gift. But like a living tree will grow and bear fruit, living faith in Jesus will bear fruit. As he does his work in our hearts, we will grow and change. We will live out his commands. As James says, we won't just be hearers of the word, but doers. Truly repenting and following Jesus will mean doing what he says. Hearing and doing Jesus' commands is the fruit of a living and active faith in him. This means we can never settle. Until this life is over, we've never grown enough. We will always have more growing to do to be more like Jesus. We will always need to be putting into practice what we hear. Maybe you feel like you've heard it all before. You've done enough. You're pretty good now anyway, if you do say so yourself. Hear what Jesus is saying here. Hear this warning. Unless you hear Jesus' words and do them, you show you don't really belong to his kingdom at all. Cry out to Jesus. Repent. Ask him to work in your life and to put into practice what he has said. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're discouraged as you hear these words. Maybe you feel like you're trying so hard to put Jesus' words into practice, but it's overwhelming. It seems far beyond you. Maybe Jesus' words here cause you to doubt and to fear. What if I'm not really on the narrow road? What if I'm not really building on a solid foundation? What if I'm not doing enough? If that's you, I want to say be encouraged. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, it starts with being poor in spirit. It's those who recognise their dependence on God, who hunger and thirst for this kind of righteousness. Jesus says, seek and you will find. Cry out to God. Ask him to work in your life to help you put these words into practice. And then rest in your father's loving care. He promises that those who seek will find. It's not your doing that makes you right with him. It's what Jesus has done. And he will work in you. He is the gentle king. The way is hard, but he works in us. And because he works in us to bring about this change, he's able to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can rest in him. And if you are someone who's growing, if you're hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice, I want to say, that's great. Keep going. Keep growing. (laughs) Be encouraged. The house on the rock has nothing to fear because it has a solid foundation in Jesus. The crowds are left with the same challenge that Jesus leaves with us. When he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, they're amazed amazed because he teaches with authority, the authority of God's promised king, the authority of God's own son, the one who declares God's word to his people and he calls them to obey him. Many do follow him. Some will turn away before the end, but those who are truly the people of God's kingdom will persevere. They don't just hear his words, they do them. It wasn't enough for me to hear the directions to Cradle Mountain. I needed to follow them. And it's not enough for us to just hear the words of Jesus. We must hear them and do them. That's the narrow way. The way to bear good fruit. To build on a solid foundation. That's the way to life. Hear these words of Jesus today. Let's do them. And let's start by asking God for his help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these challenging, warning words of Jesus that warn us away from destruction on the wide way to find life and hope on the narrow way. Please help us to be people who hear your word and do it. Please forgive us for all the times when we have not done this, when your word has gone in one ear and out the other. Thank you for the forgiveness and the hope we have in Jesus. We need your help to do this, Lord God. We hunger and thirst for this kind of righteousness. Please work it in us, by your Spirit, because of your Son, Jesus.